Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And as you can see on your screen, it's another Apple day. That's right. Apple has put forth another document in the long-running legal saga of Epic versus Apple. Now, when we last left this saga, we did a video called Apple Brings the Fire. And you might have thought, when Apple brought that particular document into the fold that refuted all of Epic's assertions, that put down a list of 27 defenses, and then countersued Epic, that they had, in fact, responded to Epic's request for a preliminary injunction here in September. But no, that is not, in fact, the case. As you can probably tell if you've been following this series from the beginning, when you have a lawsuit like this, it's actually a series of nested motions and movements and documents and arguments and all sorts of things. The Apple Brings the Fire video was about Apple's mainline rejection of Epic's mainline lawsuit. So Epic filed the lawsuit and then Apple had a certain amount of time to actually respond to that whole thing, the whole big giant lawsuit. And that's what they did when we reviewed this document. But at the same time in August... Epic filed for a temporary restraining order, and that was fought out. We covered that in this series. And then the judge said, we're going to talk about a preliminary injunction here in September. Now, a preliminary injunction is bigger. It's more powerful. It's more important than a temporary restraining order. A temporary restraining order, or TRO, is effectively a pause button. And if you were following this series, you know that effectively Apple won the biggest argument as part of the pause button. They weren't required to put Fortnite back up onto their store with the direct pay option that Epic wants to have in there, but they lost a part of that temporary restraining order when the judge said, okay, pause Apple, don't kick off Epic International or other Epic affiliates who haven't directly breached their agreements with you because to do so would harm the Unreal Engine. And the Unreal Engine is important to Epic, but it's also important to a bunch of third-party developers that don't necessarily deserve to be harmed as part of these two giant corporations fighting. In fact, that's when Microsoft put together a document that they put out in favor of a portion of Epic's request for a temporary restraining order. Unfortunately, the way the legal process works, Microsoft just wound up backing up the entirety of Epic's request, even though they were only talking about Unreal Engine, but that's what Microsoft was doing. That's why you see a picture of Senwa on your screen in the thumbnail. Microsoft was worried that if Unreal Engine got cut off from iOS, that all sorts of developers, including ones on the Xbox, would have a reason to reevaluate their projects, potentially get delayed, go back in time and try to figure out a new engine. Because if you can't depend on your third-party engine provider for being available for everything that you might need, then you have to start looking at someone that can provide more certainty. Now, Microsoft's not wrong, but as Apple will suggest in this document that we're about to go over today, Apple says, hey, yeah, we understand. Epic shot itself in the foot. We didn't shoot him in the foot. But that was the Apple Brings the Fire video. Now, to be fair, we've actually covered this case briefly in a video where we talked about other YouTubers that were discussing this. And like the Game Theorist video, we had a few issues with the legalese and the legal understanding that Linus Tech Tips brought to the table. But if you're interested in that video, go check it out. If you're interested in our response to that video, you've got a lot of big YouTubers with millions and millions of views talking about a legal case in the video game space. And honestly, I think that's great. I obviously have my issues with some of the things that they have said, but I continue to believe that the more people that are talking about these things, the better understanding we can all have. And I think that's a good thing. So check out that video and then we can go back and look at what we're going to talk about today. 
So Apple brought the fire. That was a counter response to the overall lawsuit. We're not concerned with the overall lawsuit today. Instead, we are concerned with Epic Games requesting a preliminary injunction, which asked for three things primarily. It asked for Fortnite to be put back up on the store. It asked for Apple to not be allowed to do anything to Fortnite, to not on their end change it so that they can cut off direct pay or anything like that. And then it asked for the court to say Apple can't cut off the Unreal Engine piece of their business. Technically, they asked that Apple not be able to cut off any other piece of their business, but all of the arguments focus around Unreal and their access to the tool sets that Apple provides to help Epic support the developers that use the Unreal Engine. Now, as you can see on your screen, I consider that to be one of Epic's strongest arguments yet. I still ultimately think that it's a losing argument. We will see why as we go over this Apple document, but they made some good points. They talked about the fact that if you can conceptualize the purchase of an iPhone as separate from the purchase of the iOS and the App Store and ultimately the in-app payments, then maybe, Judge, you can start to think about that in-app payment processing and app distribution at the level above it as an aftermarket of sorts to the actual market of the cell phones, the iPhones that they choose to sell you. Now, I said in that video that it's a good new novel argument. I liked it. It was based on some precedent from Eastman Kodak. And we talked about that case in that video. And if you're interested in it, check it out. But at the end of the day, I said, well, Apple is going to counter and say, well, the iOS ecosystem, whether it's an iPhone or an iPad, is a holistic thing. We are selling a product that runs a piece of software. This isn't an aftermarket. We aren't talking about copier repairs. And I think we'll see that's exactly what Apple wound up doing. Now, if you can't tell, we've covered this a lot. So if you are at all interested in this, we've covered it since the very beginning. We're going to be up at 18 videos when this one goes live. And we have covered it in every different direction that we can imagine. But now we have Apple's response to Epic's request for that preliminary injunction. This is the big guns for September because right now scheduled for September 28th, The judge is going to hear these arguments, is going to have an oral argument presented to her. She's going to come out with a decision and she is going to say whether Apple has to put Fortnite back up on their stores, whether Apple can cut off the Unreal side of the Epic developer program participants. She's going to say all of these things and that is going to set the stage, the groundwork for the remainder of the litigation. So with that groundwork set, you can imagine you've got different amounts of leverage, right? If Epic has to put Fortnite, uh, if Apple has to put Epic's Fortnite back up on the store, Apple really doesn't have any leverage against Epic. Epic can drag this out for as long as it wants. It's getting direct payment for Fortnite. It doesn't even want this litigation to end because it might lose at the end of the day. It otherwise gets whatever it wants if the judge allows Fortnite back up on the store. So you can imagine this is a big deal. There is a lot of legal dollars thrown at this document. If You saw this. We had to scroll through pages of precedent, pages of cases that Apple threw at this, which we're not going to go over in any great detail. Don't worry about it. I can see your eyes glazing over already. But Apple put in the homework. This is a very important case to them, and they're trying to squash it right where it lives. Because on the other hand, if Epic doesn't get to put Fortnite back up on the store, and even worse, if the court doesn't enjoin Apple from cutting off the rest of Epic's unreal access on the iOS ecosystem, Epic's going to be bruising. Epic is going to be taking one on the chin to bring this litigation. And yes, as we go through this, I think Apple has the better part of it. I think they present a strong case for being allowed to get rid of the unreal engine components 
of the Fortnite ecosystem as well. And if they can do that, that's going to be a problem for Epic. No doubt about it. That being said, we have to play fair here. Apple goes a little far with some of the rhetoric, and we'll point that out as we get to to it in places. But we have commented in the past on the fact that Epic likes to treat itself as the the messiah to the developers and bringing about all that is good and holy in the world while Apple fires one or two right back as part of this document. Now, we are going to skim through a lot of this. I highly recommend if you don't know the background, we're going to try to cover it enough so that you can understand as we go through this. But if you don't know the background, please do check out those earlier videos in the series. We really have covered this in a great amount of detail. And I don't want to spend 20 minutes at the front end of this video just going over what we already know. So Apple is responding to Epic's request for an injunction here at this stage in the trial. And they start off by saying, since Fortnite debuted, Apple has provided Epic with an exceptional array of benefits. Then they go on for a paragraph talking about all the many things they have done for Epic. And for all of this, Epic has paid Apple just $99 each year for a developer license, plus a 30% commission on digital purchases by end users. And of course, that's the fulsome tag of what it costs to be a participant in the iOS app distribution ecosystem. Somebody came to my comments and said, well, if it's just $99, isn't that the price? How does 30% get attached? But in corporate finance and really in your individual finance, you can arrange for prices however you like. Sometimes it makes sense to pay for a lawyer hourly. Sometimes it makes sense to pay for them on a flat fee. Sometimes it makes sense to pay for them on a contingent basis where they say, hey, if I win you money, I get a percentage. And maybe you have to give me a down payment so I make sure that you're not just going to run away and I can never find you again. And so I have some kind of retainer to make sure that that's in play. And that's somewhat like what Apple's doing here. But overall, that's the entirety of the price. Epic agreed to the price. Epic has paid the price. And now they don't want to. Or as Apple says, Epic now wants to play by different rules. It wants to keep enjoying these extensive and expensive benefits of Apple's ecosystem, including continued access to Apple's iPhone customers for free. Now understand how they are framing this, right? Epic wants to say that Apple doesn't do anything. Apple is a payment processor. And once they have this whole ecosystem set up, Judge, we should all be allowed to enjoy its benefits. They have 1.5 billion people there. Apple is doing what we suggested they would do in this series, which is saying that they built the circus, that what you are getting is not just payment processing. That's nothing. What you are getting is access to the circus we built. And because we built it, that's why it exists. Because we invest in it, that's why people are here. And Judge, you should understand that that is an important piece of the question. I think the judge actually does understand that in her initial temporary restraining order. She said, basically, Epic shouldn't get access to this ecosystem for free, to which Epic responded, it wouldn't be for free, Judge, because we'd run our app store in competition with Apple and they wouldn't have to do anything for us. Because Epic, again, is talking about payment processing and the actual physical act of distributing apps. Whereas Apple is saying, no, 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 we market the iPhone. We have the big conferences. We get people excited. You don't have to agree or disagree with either of these companies to understand that those are two wildly different viewpoints of the world. And I tend to side with Apple's viewpoint of what they have built. You might agree with Epic's a little bit more, but I would ask you to explain why. Leave it in the comments. Talk to me about those kinds of things. Because I really do think... Apple has invested that money and Epic always skips the step of if we win this, what's the next phone provider going to do? Are they going to be willing to invest in these kinds of things? Are they even going to try to build these kinds of things? And yes, at the end of the day, if they win it entirely, can Xbox or PlayStation or really 
most other software providers exist by setting the terms of service for their contractual relationships. Then you get some fun language. Apple says to avoid paying us, Epic smuggled into Fortnite a hotfix. You'll see some colorful poetic license used by Apple throughout this document. And in willful breach of its contractual promises that prohibit cheating the system. Apple reasonably responded by exercising its absolute right to remove Fortnite from the App Store and terminating the developer privileges of Epic and its affiliates. They just squeezed that in there. Yeah, that's what we did. We tried to threaten everybody. Judge, you said we couldn't do that, but we think we should be allowed. Unless and until Epic comes back into compliance with Apple's policies. Epic refuses to do so and instead asks this court to issue an extraordinary order blue penciling the party's agreement so that Epic can use Apple services without paying any commissions. They are framing it as follows. Judge, Epic is asking you to take our contract, to take your pen, and to change these provisions to Epic's liking while a court proceeding exists, potentially for years, allowing them to operate outside of our bounds in a way that a lot of other developers aren't and that those developers will notice. And that is a power that the court should be very reticent to exercise, if not completely impossible to exercise. Epic's motion should be denied because it has not come close to meeting any of the four traditional equitable factors necessary to justify a preliminary injunction. For those of you that have forgotten, remember that the injunction step is an equitable one. This is asking the court for a favor. So you have to go and say, court, you're not, you don't have to worry. We're going to win this case. You can give us effectively what we've asked for early. And that's because we'd be harmed if you didn't give it to us. The public interest is benefited by it. All these various things. But most importantly, that we're going to win this case at the end of the day. Apple is no monopolist, says Apple, which you would expect. And indeed, no court has ever accepted a claim remotely like this one. And the sheer novelty of Epic's position precludes preliminary injunctive relief. That's actually a really good argument that they don't really expound upon in this document. But preliminary injunctive relief is designed to say, you're going to win this anyway, so we can give you your reward right now because you'd be harmed if we didn't. But if you are bringing a type of case that a court really hasn't decided in your favor or in a similar position of your favor for somebody else, elsewhere in the history of court cases, then you've got a higher hill to climb to say, I deserve a preliminary injunction because I'm going to win this because nobody's ever won this case before. They might. Maybe Epic would have been in a better stead if they let some of these Apple cases go through for a couple of years. We'll never know because Epic brought the guns right now, but it's a good argument from Apple. This approach and commission structure, which is common in the industry, provides Apple with a financial return, which has fueled an exponential increase in output and significantly increased consumer choice. So they're not going to win their monopoly case. And not only are they not going to win their monopoly case, note, judge, Apple and the iPhone is massively successful. What we have built in a very short period of time belies the notion that we are acting anti-competitively. We are winning hearts and minds. That 1.5 billion people didn't just get handed to us. We only sold so many phones. If you go back to the initial lawsuit video that I did from Epic, this is one of the things that I said when they're talking about how successful the iPhone ecosystem is. I said, oh, that's, that's kind of a rough argument to make. They're super successful at marketing. They're super successful at business. Judge, you should afford us some recompense. Ugh until you can actually point out that they have been building or maintaining that power, that business presence through something illegal untowards, a restraint of trade that is unfair to the consumer, you've got a problem. 
And what Epic has established is that there's 1.5 billion or so relatively happy consumers. Simply put, the iPhone business model is decidedly pro-competitive and Epic's theories will fail. Epic also cannot demonstrate any irreparable injury. Epic started a fire, poured gasoline on it, and now asks this court for emergency assistance in putting it out, even though Epic can do so itself in an instant. Yep, that's strong rhetoric. And it's also pretty much entirely accurate. Now, one thing that's going to pop up throughout this document is, can Epic fix it now? Apple has already taken the step to cut off Epic Games, the Fortnite application, and has said, we'll look at you maybe in another year. If they fixed it tomorrow, would Apple bring them back? Consider that in the back of your head as you think about how this might play out at a preliminary injunction level, because one thing that might happen is to say, well, we're not going to mandate Apple that you put Fortnite back up on the store, but we are going to mandate that if Epic turns off this button that you will, right? Because you're asserting that you have the contractual rights to do whatever you want with the product. You don't have to actually have them in your developer community. And if they change their stripes, if they actually go back to complying with your document, will you bring them back into the fold? That might be one thing that the court winds up doing. Apple is legally and equitably entitled to sever ties with a party that persists in breaking the rules and that party's affiliates. Accordingly, Apple removed Fortnite from the App Store and expelled Epic from the developer program. Note again, the reference to that party's affiliates. One of the things that Apple is going to try to do in this document is suggest that because they have always gotten rid of a party's affiliates, they should be allowed to do so now. To some extent, ordinary business practice, a history of practices and procedures does suggest that that's ordinary course, that you're not retaliating. And that should be taken into account when we're looking at an equitable kind of case like this. However, the judge was concerned at the temporary restraining order level that these contracts were separate, that there was a wall between international and there was a wall between Epic Games, et cetera, et cetera. Pay attention. We'll see how Apple tries to break that down as we go forward. The balance of hardships favors Apple. Epic's hotfix was not just an open breach of contract, but a fundamental breach of trust. Epic threatens the relationship between Apple and iPhone customers. Now, this is going to be one of those where I really think Apple may have gone a little too far, tried to shoot the moon. We'll see this in the actual document in the language that they talk about the legal analysis here. But what they are trying to establish is that the risk here from Unreal, the risk here of a hot fix of secret code in Fortnite is so great that they have to be allowed to cut off Epic in its entirety because of things like malicious code or that Epic could be stealing your private data or doing bad things to kids. And they actually do bring up all of those examples in the document. And it's very, very interesting. It's one of those places where I think Apple maybe does a little bit too much rhetoric. Finally, the public interest warrants denial of injunctive relief because Epic is responsible for harming the very community it purports to be protecting. If Epic were really concerned about preserving iPhone users' access to Fortnite or developers' access to Unreal Engine, it would deactivate the hotfix and comply with Apple's policies pending resolution of its claims. Instead, Epic is holding its own customers hostage to gain leverage in a business dispute. Now that's high rhetoric, but I also think it's entirely correct. You've heard me use this language 
in this series. That is, in fact, what Epic is doing. That is what Epic is doing by design. Epic had that marketing campaign for free Fortnite ready because they knew Fortnite would be put in Apple jail. And so they knew that was what would happen, and they knew they could try to leverage their fan base to say, come after Apple with us. We're going to use your lack of access and how that makes you feel bad as leverage and claim that it is in the public interest to get you that access back. Now, that didn't play well with the judge at the temporary restraining order level. The Unreal Engine part did. It's a little bit unclear how those are distinguished, except that the Unreal Engine folks are in the business of building programs rather than just playing as bananas and shooting each other on Marvel Island. So what you have here is an accurate depiction of what Epic did. The question is whether the court will allow it. The detailed fact and expert declaration submitted by Apple in view of a binding and persuasive decisional authority overwhelm Epic's speculative and ultimately baseless submission. It's good stuff. It's lawyer language right there. Ultimately, what that says is, nah, judge, there ain't nothing here. Get rid of this whole thing. This is the exact language that will ultimately be in their request for summary dismissal. But right now, they're just trying to get rid of this preliminary injunction and allow themselves to come after Unreal. So that's what they want to set up. But before we get into the analysis, understand the state of play here, right? Apple is more likely to win the Fortnite claim. They already wanted the temporary restraining order level. So just like if it's halftime in a football game, they've got the lead on those two points. They lost the unreal point. So they want to put their efforts behind that. The reason this thumbnail says Apple comes for unreal is you will see they try to get the right to cut off the affiliates, to cut off Unreal Engine. Why? Because they want to, and they bring reasonable business justifications in this document, which you can choose to believe or not, but really because it offers them the maximal amount of leverage to get over this case. Because if Epic has pain associated with this case, it is more likely to settle in Apple's favor. That's nothing unusual. That's not illegal. That's the way these things work. But yes, Apple has legitimate business justifications for trying to cut off Unreal, has the contractual right to do so. That's probably, in my opinion, what will persuade the judge on those points. But at the end of the day, they want to do it because it puts them in the best position to succeed at this case. And this case is an existential threat to them. Now we get a lot of language about how Apple is great. All that changed, the mobile environment changed when Apple introduced the iPhone in 2007. Our hero had arrived. Or if you can squeeze a little marketing into your complaints, Apple, well, they thought differently. The iPhone's operating system is deeply integrated with Apple's hardware. And that engineering success enables a greater ability to innovate both for Apple and third-party developers. Understand what this sentence is doing. As we talked about, Epic's strongest argument, in my opinion, reasonable minds can differ as they do in this space and outside of it, but in my opinion, their strongest argument is maybe, just maybe, app distribution and in-app payment processing is an aftermarket to the actual purchase of the phone. That people don't think about those markets, and then when they find themselves with the phone, they go, oh my, I didn't know I would be stuck only using the app store, and then only using in-app payment processing in that app store, and so maybe it's an aftermarket. But one of the conditions to that is essentially that you didn't think about it, that you didn't buy a holistic thing, that this was, was all part of one transaction. So Apple starts setting the seeds, the framework for this early. They say, just so you know, when we talk about this phone, the iOS is deeply integrated. This is one product 
Yes, it's multifaceted, but this is a piece of hardware with a custom-built and designed engine to run it. And that's one thing in the marketplace. Also, Judge, you should know that our share of global market of smartphone sales, well, it's 13.3%. Epic knows they can't claim that Apple's a monopolist provider of smartphones, so they have to go and say they are a monopolist provider of iOS app distribution, which we have talked about in this space, is too minute of a market to really apply the Sherman Antitrust Act to, in my opinion. Then we get a little bit more color for how the iPhone is selling, how it was originally framed, how the App Store came to be. It says, as Steve Jobs explained, Apple ultimately made the decision to open the platform. I know some of you are snickering, but there is a gate in the walled garden. You just have to pass by the guard. But it did so deliberately and carefully with the interests of users fully in mind. Providing an advanced and open platform to developers while at the same time protecting iPhone users from viruses, malware, privacy attacks, etc., is no easy task. They're trying to establish that historically they've always been concerned about these things, and that's designed to cut off one of Epic's primary arguments, which is just a raw assertion, really, is that security and the reasoning behind setting up the App Store and in-app payment processing this way is all pretextual, that Apple is lying about this. Now, if you're already inclined to believe that they're lying, I don't know that a lot of this language changes that belief, but Apple does start to put evidence up on Evidence Mountain to suggest that they've always been thinking this way. They've always treated it this way. And more importantly, since they've always done it this way, customers in the marketplace have decided that that's what they want out of the market. Remember, the Sherman Antitrust Act, really all anti-competition laws in the United States, are primarily built around protecting consumer welfare. At the end of the day, the final inquiry is, did what you are doing help or harm consumers? And so Apple goes off on some rhetoric, but tries to establish, we were concerned about security, we invest in that ecosystem, we built our walls high, and customers liked that product. But first, they had to spend the money. Apple first had to provide the fundamental building blocks for developer community. They did all this stuff. They spent all this money. People didn't want to see harm to their devices. They wanted to participate in a walled garden, starting with just 500 apps. In 2008, the App Store now has 1.8 million. Now, for developers, the App Store is now a means to reach a customer base of a billion iPhone users, right? That's what Epic said in their complaint. Look, what they've got here is a circus tent. It's mighty shiny, and I want to be in there. I just don't want to pay them 30%. But as Apple says, it is way more than that. In the interest of stoking more creativity and to bring more apps to its users, Apple supports developers in a variety of ways, investing billions. Now, look, people have come into my comments and said, yeah, of course, if you want to support an app store, you've got to put out these tools. You've got to continue to support it. You've got to make these developers happy. 100%. Apple did not do these things out of the goodness of its heart. It did it to make money. But the way the laws are designed in the United States is that we want you to do that. We want you to satisfy more customers. We want you to make those developers happy. We want you to invest in those billions of dollars. We want you to be successful. And if you get really, really successful, that's great. You just can't use that success to then spin around and raise prices or do other bad things. The main mechanism by which developers pay Apple is through its in-app purchase technology. Apple's IAP is hardly unique. And here's where we bring in the other competitors. Google's Play Store, obviously, Epic's suing them. The Amazon App Store, the Microsoft Store, and many video game digital marketplaces such as Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, and Steam. That's Apple sending out the bullhorn, right? 
They've done that a couple of times in their response documents, but that's them saying, again, pay attention, video game companies, because Epic's theory of the case directly attacks you. Because if a hardware provider is deemed to have a valid antitrust monopoly in the OS that they put forth on that hardware and in the distribution of apps through that OS, they're coming for you, Sony. And I know you have $250 million invested in Epic, so you better pay attention to this. And they bring them up again. Now, Epic, if they wind up responding to this document before the 28th, will wind up saying, no, those are very different. Phones are different than that. But their overall theory doesn't depend on the way a phone operates. I know I've tried to establish that in these videos and in the comments to the videos that I respond to. But you want to say phones are more important. Yes, that is an important consideration for things like equity and a preliminary injunction. But ultimately, when we talk about monopoly behavior, we're talking about what the market is. You can have a monopoly in any kind of thing. And so it doesn't matter functionally that a PlayStation might not be as useful as an iPhone if that PlayStation matches up with all of the theories that Epic proposes and Epic wins this case, somebody is going to sue for access to the PlayStation 5. They 100% are. And one of the reasons I come out and say that this case is weak and I think it's unlikely for Epic to win is because the law, the court, hates to make sea change hates to change up business models that will have lasting and significant ramifications across hundreds of companies and an entire industry. In general, they look at that and say, now nah, that's probably not right. We need to be very cautious with that kind of behavior. Then Apple twists the knife a little. In fact, Epic's own app marketplace charges users and developers a commission to use Epic services, consistent with the practices of other mobile platforms. Now, Epic has said in their own documents, and Apple ignores it, that they don't require their own payment methodology on the Epic Game Store, which is interesting. I don't think Apple necessarily should have ignored it. But in this part of the document, they are trying to establish that Epic knows darn well that a commission rate for use of a piece of software is a normal piece of behavior. You get access to the Epic Game Store, you get access to Unreal, you pay a commission on the money you make, everybody's happy and you don't have to pay large upfront fees to get very expensive technology or access at your disposal. Apple says more than 80% of the apps in the App Store pay no commission to us. And because of Apple's business model, consumers benefit by accessing an enormous amount of content for free. They said this earlier in their documents, but that's an important piece of the puzzle. Maybe 30% is too high if you think that everybody winds up paying 30% on every dollar. What this winds up being is big money makers on this platform and in Steam and in Xbox and everywhere else subsidize those that don't make as much money. And yes, while that might not be great for developers who are part of the production line, it's hard to look at it and say it's not good for consumers who are getting access to more stuff than they would otherwise if they had something like Epic's proposed pay-for-download system. Then we get to some important stuff. Apple says no ecosystem thrives for long without rules. This is, I think, a very good response, really, to what we were talking about when we talked about the end of the Linus video yesterday, right? He put forth that Apple just wants to say, my playground, my rules, and that sounds like somebody abusing their position. I said, that's not really the case at all. That's not abuse. Certainly the law wouldn't look at it that way. And I think Apple's right that regardless of whether you like their rules, that's where abuse can come in. The rules can be abusive. Rules in and of themselves, the existence of them isn't abusive. We wouldn't expect anybody to create something and not have some amount of rules on its access or sale or whatever that might be, depending on what you just built. And so Apple says, look, 
Our rules helped us build this thing that people like. And Epic just flouted them. The very first section of the guidelines declares that if you attempt to cheat the system, your apps will be removed. This contractual right has teeth because Apple's developer contracts are at will. Apple may terminate them at any time. I believe it's a 30-day notice period in various parts of these documents, but that has always been fundamental to this discussion, right? Even outside of the lawsuit, even if Epic were the nicest company on earth, we don't generally make companies interact with each other if one or the other side doesn't want to do so. And when they enter into a contract that says, I can terminate this relationship on 30 days notice, you really are asking for a lot from the court to say, because of the situation, which we created and then marketed and put a video out and maybe some hats out about, you should prevent them from being able to enforce their contract. Apple doesn't even have to show that Epic breached. doesn't have to show that Epic International breached. doesn't have to do a lot of things that Epic thinks that they should have to do because the contracts that they signed up to say terminable at any time. And that's a pretty killer argument. And I think ultimately it's going to be pretty valuable to their claims against the judge. Now, one thing they don't do in this document is really tie together the fact that maybe a breach in one contract could be applied to the contracts of the affiliates. They rely on a couple of different things. I would have liked to have seen them do more with that. Obviously, not their attorneys, but we'll see what they do. Apple needs the power of expulsion to ensure safety, security, privacy, and reliability for the consumers of this vast ecosystem. It is what we do historically. Apple has terminated over 75,000 unique accounts for introducing new features without going through app review, over 2,000 accounts for introducing a non-IAP payment method, and over 60,000 accounts for introducing hidden features or obfuscating code, for example, by installing executable code. Apple also needs the ability to take decisive action, not just against the particular account in which a developer breaks the rules, but also against other accounts controlled by that developer or its affiliates. When a developer engages in deceptive acts on one account is terminated, it can easily transfer its apps and redirect its activities to another account. Apple has to be able to protect itself and its users from that sort of shell game. Now, the epics of the world might respond to something like that and say, well, you could have. Your contracts could have had a cross-default clause in them very easily. I'm very surprised here at Hoaglaw that they don't. I recommend it if you're Apple in the future. But you could have had that cross default that you chose not to have it suggests that you didn't think you needed to protect yourself or more likely that you thought you were already could do this because nobody was inclined to fight you because you are, in fact, a two trillion dollar company. And only Epic really has the temerity to really come after you on this score. I'm sympathetic to Epic on that particular question. Apple maintains the express right under both the developer agreement and license agreement to terminate with any developer at any time with or without cause. And that is why Apple has a long-standing practice of removing all affiliated developer accounts when a developer attempts to cheat or conceal, thereby terminating a breaching developer's developer program membership across all entities with similar ownership. Apple does not wait to be fooled a second time before terminating an affiliate for the bad deeds of its principles. Hmm, won't get fooled again. But in all honesty, this is the primary argument that we've talked about in this space. If you are on Epic's side, do you believe Apple should be forced to support them? Do you believe that a court should come in and say, Apple, yes, you have to provide those tools. Yes, you have to provide that access. Yes, you have to review whatever you have to review for that party 
even though that might be the right hand, the left hand came and at two in the morning stabbed you in the back. Do you have to disassociate in that way? And I would suggest that in general, no, we don't require that of folks. And so if you can't say to the judge, yes, judge, we're definitely going to win this thing. If it's going to be in that gray area, I find it very difficult to think that the equities here, the special protection that you are looking for from the court should be yours in this particular instance. Next, we get to what happened with respect to Epic and Apple and agreements to licenses, etc. And then we get a few little sleight of hand notices that Apple gives to Epic. When Epic finally brought the game to the iPhone in March 2018, Fortnite was already a runaway success with more than 45 million active players. Good for you, Epic. Since then, the game has continued to grow in popularity, although the iPhone has never been essential to its success. Epic has disclosed that only 10% of Fortnite consumers play regularly on the iPhone. I've played Fortnite. Full disclosure, I enjoy Fortnite. I can't even imagine playing it on the iPhone. So I'm definitely not one of those 10%, but it's an important part of this argument because what they're going to try to establish is this is not a relevant market. The iOS app distribution is not a relevant market because Fortnite has no problem getting out there at all. Epic delivers its stuff, its Unreal Engine, to platforms, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo Switch, PC, Mac, iPhone, as it does with Fortnite. But then also Apple wants to throw in, you know what? Not that many people use Unreal. Unity is used by the overwhelming majority of Apple developers that use a graphics engine. Apple also marketed Epic and its software at major Apple events in 2011, 2012, giving Epic, which by the way, Judge, was then a much smaller developer, Tremendously valuable publicity. I love that aside, right? If you're Apple, it's like, what does it matter that Epic was smaller at that point in time? Yes, your marketing was more important, but you're just throwing that in to give the suggestion, you know, hey, Tim, Tim and Epic, you guys are nouveau riche. You're not $2 trillion companies. We've been around to use our 1984 ad because you didn't have practically anything compared to us before this random battle royale game, which maybe was inspired by your licensee over at PUBG, took off and made you a fortune and made you a disruptive force. And so 2011, 2012, Epic was a, was a much different company, Judge. I found it amusing. I don't think it matters one way or the other for the court case, but it is an interesting aside. They also note that they have changed rules just to help Epic. Apple has also revised its in-game gifting policy to accommodate Fortnite's holiday season marketing campaign. They had a fruitful relationship. And again, Apple wasn't doing this out of the goodness of its heart. Apple was making 30% on every dollar that Fortnite made. They had skin in the game. They were both invested in making money on this. So Apple doesn't deserve your sympathy because they did all this stuff, but it's still worth noting that they did do it and that Epic knew how to get their attention to talk about changes in the rules that weren't working for them and to not just put in surreptitious code and execute it in the middle of the night. In 2019 alone, Apple expedited app review in response to almost all of Epic's more than 80 rush requests, even though developers are typically required to make such expedited requests only in extenuating circumstances. Now, I don't know what AAA developers are doing in terms of rush requests on the Apple ecosystem, but 80 in a year on an expedited basis, jumping to the front of the line does in fact seem like a lot. Apple is trying to establish here that they were partners and that this wasn't just 3% of payment processing, Judge. This relationship had never been Stripe or PayPal. They were always responsive, moved their rules, did their marketing for them, jumped on their expedited review requests, etc., 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 and then the dagger. 
For reasons having nothing to do with Epic's claims against Apple, Fortnite's popularity is on the wane. By July 2020, interest in Fortnite had decreased by nearly 70% as compared to October 2019. And they use, I believe, uh, Google Trends check on that. This lawsuit and the front page headlines it has generated appears to be part of a marketing campaign designed to reinvigorate interest in Fortnite. Yep. They just said Fortnite's going away and Epic is scrambling to make it relevant again. That's about as mean as you can get in a legal document, in all honesty, against someone else's chief project. If anybody thinks that Apple and Epic are just going to jump back into a relationship together after all this is done, well, money does talk. But there are going to be some fences to be mended, some bridges to be rebuilt. Apple is very upset at all of this and is using all of its weaponry against Epic right now. Epic Games Inc. signed the license agreement for the account associated with Fortnite and a wholly owned subsidiary, Epic Games International Sorrel, signed the license agreement for the account associated with Unreal Engine. Two entities. That's important. But Apple has tried to establish that Epic treated them the same. The accounts share a single tax ID, a single individual as the registered account holder, a single credit card number that is used to pay the annual program fee, the same test devices, etc., etc., etc. And Apple invoked the provisions in response to one of the most egregious acts of sabotage that Apple has experienced with any developer. And we get a reiteration of what happened. The 2 a.m. In the morning, email, Epic will no longer adhere to Apple's payment processing restrictions, their implementation of a hidden payment mechanism, a prepackaged marketing campaign, submitting the app without removing the offending direct payment features, etc., etc. Epic has been doing some stuff Apple is not very happy about. But then we get to why Apple is putting so much effort into this document, right? Apple is much more likely to win the Fortnite piece than the Unreal Engine piece, but they still want to make sure that they put their best foot forward on the Unreal stuff. And in honesty, they have a good argument. Apple also recognized that Unreal Engine posed a potential threat. Unreal Engine poses as a second potential Trojan horse that would enable Epic to carry through on its threats to undermine the App Store and insert further unauthorized features. Removing Epic's access to these developer tools reduces such a risk. So before we get into the quote here, understand why they lost that piece of the temporary restraining order. Because Epic said, hey, this is just retaliatory. Unreal Engine didn't do anything. We didn't breach any agreements. They are punishing us for what we are trying to do with Fortnite. They, of course, covered that in righteousness about breaking monopolies and serving the good of mankind or what have you. But they said Unreal Engine didn't do anything. Leave them out of it. And so what Apple is trying to establish here is the logic behind why Unreal Engine did have something to do with it. Now, ultimately, in my opinion, Apple should be able to say to the judge, look, we have a contract. We're allowed to terminate it. We're terminating it. We're done. But that's not the strongest argument that you can make. And Apple goes further. They say we have reasons to kill Unreal Engine because that baby is a Trojan horse that can be used to put all sorts of nonsense onto our phones. Or as they say, it is easy to see that a rogue application affecting the operation of a significant fraction of the world's iPhones could sustainably could substantially disrupt local or even worldwide telephony systems, as well as broad segments of the internet itself. So again, we talked about rhetoric going a little far here. One of the things they're saying is if we allow Unreal Engine, now that Epic is just an untrustworthy actor, we could be compromising the world's internet security. A little bit far, a little bit. These risks mean that Apple 
as steward of software running on about a billion devices worldwide, needs policies and practices that protect against such potential attacks while not needlessly impeding the flow of application software to its customers' phones. Now, one of the reasons I think that goes a little bit far, and we'll see it go even further when they talk about kids and data and things along those lines, is that I think one of the things the judge could potentially do in this is say, okay, well, that's all very bad stuff, but I think I should still enjoin you from getting rid of Unreal, and then I will also throw on an injunction that says, Epic, you have to abide by all of their present terms and service, their guidelines and everything else while operating these accounts, okay? And then Epic will say yes, and if Epic did something like this on top of it, they would get the absolute book thrown at them by the court. So one option out of all this would be, no, we're not going to force you, Apple, to put up Fortnite with a direct payment option. We're going to adjudicate this whole thing. But also, Apple, we're not going to allow you to cut off their affiliate accounts. But we will make Epic promise to not do anything bad with those accounts. And if they do, well, then we can bring hellfire on earth down upon them. This In line with its guidelines and practices, Apple warned that it would terminate Epic's developer program membership as it was entitled to do under the party's at-will agreements. Just sneaking that in there. Judge, just in case you forgot, those are terminable at will. Terminable at convenience. We can cut off anybody at any time. Don't need a breach. Then they'd go over the temporary restraining order. The court held that it could not conclude that Epic has met the high burden of demonstrating a likelihood of success on the merits of their overall case with regards to both Fortnite and the Unreal Engine. In contrast, they restrained Apple from operating against Unreal because for now, Epic International appears to have separate developer program license agreements. They did also know what we noted in that video that we did on that particular order, that Apple's reliance on its historical practice of removing affiliated developer accounts and or the broad language in the operative contract at issue will be better evaluated with a full briefing. Apple says since that TRO ruling, Apple's need to take action against both entities has been reinforced. This is important. This is their silver bullet. This is what they think is going to get them over the finish line on this. Since the TRO ruling, Apple's need to take action against both entities has been reinforced by information that Epic International, the Sorrel entity, what they describe here as the Unreal Engine licensee, is collecting payment from iPhone users through the direct payment services that Epic Games, the Fortnite licensee, improperly inserted into Fortnite. Judge, they are connected. They are the same entity. They are collecting money from their surreptitious breach of our contract. Yes, they are now in breach of their own contract. So if that is important to you, judge, we got them. And that's why it's highlighted in red. I highlight in red when I think it's important. I think Apple thinks it's important. I don't know whether the judge will think it's important. Certainly, it ties these two entities together even further. And ultimately, Apple doesn't even need to prove that breach to have the right to terminate. Now, first, they say, court, you should get rid of this preliminary injunction because Epic has no right to it at all. By asking this court to compel Apple to continue to allow both Fortnite and Unreal Engine to participate in the iPhone ecosystem on terms other than those to which the parties contractually agreed, Epic is seeking a mandatory injunction. Accordingly, Epic's motion must be denied unless the facts and law clearly favor the moving party. Look, judge, this is a big one they're asking for. It's not merely trying to stop us from doing something. It's trying to force us to do something. And in that case, they have to be absolutely 100% correct to be afforded the power of the court. And they are most certainly not, judge. Epic will not succeed on the merits of its antitrust claims. Epic has jettisoned its essential facilities theory, which we said they would, and it cannot succeed on its two remaining theories of monopoly maintenance and tying. 
Epic's monopoly maintenance claim will not succeed. To prevail on its theory of unlawful monopolization, Epic must prove both the possession of monopoly power in a relevant market and the willful acquisition or maintenance of that power as distinguished from growth or development as a consequence of a superior product, business acumen, or historic accident, which are all phrases you probably recognize from this series, which is to say monopoly power itself is not illegal, but acquisition or maintenance of that power is illegal. But if you have a superior product, better prices, business acumen, or even if it's just historic accident, you just happen to get to a market first, the court doesn't come after you. A threshold step in any antitrust case is to accurately define the relevant market, which refers to the area of effective competition. All of Epic's antitrust claims and its insistence that Apple is a monopolist turn on its assertion that the relevant market is the iOS app distribution market. But the notion that the market relevant for Epic's apps is limited to distribution via iPhones, which Epic admits is the foundation of its antitrust argument, is meritless, if not frivolous. Hey, somebody want to get disbarred on this thing, says Apple. Epic distributes Fortnite just on Apple devices, but through everybody else, PCs, Android, Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, etc., etc. Apple is trying to say here that they're focused on app distribution, but they aren't a class. They aren't representing all app developers out there. They are bringing their own claim about their own product, and that's Fortnite. And when we look at the market for selling Fortnite, Apple isn't anything in that market. Now, ultimately, this is going to come down to theory and how a judge thinks about antitrust and whether Epic can bring a more theoretical case about app distribution in this specific environment. But Apple, as I have said repeatedly in this series, has the stronger argument historically in antitrust law to say, hey, look, we built this circus tent. That's our product. When you talk about competing on that product level, we have 13% of the market of smartphones. And if you want to come to the circus tent, you have to abide by our rules. And you can sell it everywhere else. In fact, you do sell it everywhere else. We're less than 10% of what your market is for your product. So we don't have a monopoly on distribution availability for your product itself. What are we even talking about? That's going to work for some of you. I know it's not going to work for others of you, but that's what Apple's trying to do. It's trying to change the perception, just as we said, because the main fight here is what is the relevant antitrust market. They continue with their arguments, say manufacturers own products do not themselves comprise a relevant product market. The market here includes at minimum the competing platforms available to Epic and other game developers. Epic attempts to distinguish SciStar and limit the relevant market to a single brand by asserting that iOS is a primary market and app distribution is an aftermarket. What I thought was really honestly their strongest argument. But Epic has no basis for arguing that components of Apple's integrated offerings should be considered separately. Epic's own economic expert does not contend that the proposed iOS app distribution market is an aftermarket. That word does not even appear in his declaration. Simply put, this is not an aftermarket case, and Epic has no legal expert or factual support for its contrary assertion. I don't think this is a good argument. You know, I think Apple does a lot of good work here. I think they have the overall stronger stance on all of this, but I do think that the aftermarket claim that Epic was bringing deserved a more fulsome refutation. I think you can distinguish Kodak. I think you can distinguish the existence of an aftermarket. I think you can explain that you're selling something that is what they describe as integrated in one word, but a holistic offering, that that's why people buy into the iOS ecosystem at all. And I think it deserved that kind of treatment. And it might come back to bite them. I, I don't know. I can't speak for what's in the judge's mind and how she is going to take that aftermarket argument. But at the end of the day, I think it deserved more because of the strength that Epic put behind it. And, and Apple just basically asserted that it's false. 
Simply put, it's not an aftermarket case. Moving on. The relevant market includes at least the other platforms on which Epic distributes Fortnite. And they say, hey, even Epic says that. Epic urged users to switch platforms. Party continues on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, etc., etc. So there isn't a relevant market here. It's not an aftermarket judge. Let's move on to the next point. They can't prove that we're maintaining a monopoly, obviously because there isn't a monopoly market, but let's assume that there was. Epic has not identified any unlawful conduct undertaken by Apple to maintain a monopoly in its alleged distribution market. So what you've got here is that second prong, right? It's not illegal to have a monopoly. It's illegal to maintain it. And you have to establish that Apple did something. Now they try to say that it's because Apple tied together their in-app purchases to their app distribution. And Apple will address that next. But they want to point out that the maintenance claim that they kind of toss out there, which we discussed in our Epic video and said, well, that's not really going to work on its own. They say, well, that's not really going to work on its own. Epic's defective theory of monopoly maintenance does not provide any legal basis for a preliminary injunction that is independent from its flawed tying theory. We got to talk about tying, Judge, because maintenance isn't its own thing. Epic devotes the bulk of its merits argument to contending that Apple ties iOS app distribution services, the tying product, to iOS in-app payment processing services, the tied product. Epic's tying theory falters on the first most fundamental requirement, the existence of a tie. Apple does not force developers to use IAP in order to have an app distributed. However, if developers do charge for in-app purchases, then they must pay Apple's commission. That's an important piece of the tying puzzle. That's one Epic skips every time. Apple doesn't require you to have in-app purchases to be on the App Store. So it's very difficult to see how they tied in-app purchases to the function of app distribution. You're unhappy with the commission. That's fine. You can argue about the 30%. That's probably a loser. That's why you've kind of ditched it mostly if you're Epic but you actually have to establish that Apple is doing something to tie the app distribution that you say everybody wants to in-app purchases. Epic's suggestion, as Apple says, that the commission is only for the use of IAP has no basis and indeed is contrary to the record. This is a response to like the Game Theorist video or even portions of the Linus video where they say, Epic is saying this is just 3% their Stripe, their PayPal. Apple says, no, the suggestion that the commission 30% is just for in-app payment processing is not what we do. IAP is part of an integrated service delivered in the form of a single transaction, not a separate product. In the iPhone business model, the commission is the return on Apple's investment in the App Store and the full suite of IP tools and services Apple offers to developers. As well, I would argue, with the entirety of the branding, marketing, conferences, and everything else they put behind their entirety, right? The iPhone, the iPad, Apple in and of itself. Apple continues by saying developers are free to adopt other business models that do not include IAP. A developer can generate revenue through advertising, through the sale of physical goods and services. This is the only time you actually see this addressed, right? One of the complaints Epic has is that Apple treats physical goods and services companies differently, and they don't really establish that in their developer guidelines. I tend to agree. I've read through those guidelines. They don't do a good job of distinguishing when they're going to charge that 30%. Apple honestly should do a better job of that in their own contractual documents. They just skip it and say, look, if you don't want to pay us a commission, perform some physical goods or services. Now, of course, that's different industries than sales of software. And so that's not really a great answer. Advertising is a little bit of an answer, but that's very similar to Epic saying, well, you could have charged per download. Neither side of this should want the court to start enforcing mandatory business models on the other. It's not good for anybody. Over 80% of the apps on the App Store embrace those models, free-to-play, advertising, whatever it might be. 
And Epic's contention that IAP is a tied product that should be enjoined is nothing other than a demand that this court excuse Epic from its contractual obligation to pay commissions. In addition, whereas here the allegedly tied product is an essential ingredient of the overall method of business with customers, courts view them as one product, not as two tied together. That is especially true whereas here the allegedly separate products have always been integrated. We never sold them separately. This isn't something that we built differently and slammed them together. This was always one thing that we built. It has always looked like one thing. And now the court shouldn't entertain this novel theory because Epic is trying to get out of paying commission on the money that it receives for access to our store. As Apple's economic expert attests, no demand exists for IAP that is separate from distribution via the App Store. Now, that is, that's an attestation. That's their own economist. I do think Epic has a pretty good point here in saying that when we put the direct payment option in Fortnite, a number of people used it. Now, they used it because it was cheaper, but that's kind of answering the question that Epic is trying to ask, to say Apple charges too much for their payment processing. Unfortunately, I think they lose this argument at Epic because Apple does actually invest in the ecosystem. They still did build that circus tent. And so Epic makes a kind of point, but maybe not one that ultimately wins the day on this particular argument. Then they say, not only are we not anti-competitive judge, we're going to put in a whole point here that says we're pro-competitive. Finally, Epic's assertion that Apple's conduct has clear anti-competitive effects at 20 is notably devoid of any economic support from Epic's expert. And its assertion that there are no pro-competitive justifications for Apple's conduct is contravened by the record and the everyday experience of smartphone users over the last decade, which I think is right, roughly. I know there are a lot of people that say, well, I don't like what Apple's doing. I would like them to do different things. I am one of them. I think a number of their terms could be corrected. I think the xCloud treatment, the Microsoft game streaming stuff is being treated wrongly. I think Apple should really try to re-examine that. I would like to see them do that. I would be happier with their product if they did. But overall, they built an entire marketplace, an ecosystem. They sold 1 billion plus units on the backs of their business model, of what they put out there, what they put together. And that does suggest that they were competitive with the market that existed. They don't dominate that market right now. They aren't the only smartphone seller. And everything that they are doing is continuing to disrupt that market and to build their brand within it. They say the rule of reason, the overall kind of equitable principles, does this help or harm consumers, applies to any tying claim that involves software that serves as a platform for third-party applications. See the reference to Microsoft, right? We've talked about the Microsoft cases. As a matter of basic economics, such spectacular growth in output is wholly inconsistent with the claim that Apple's conduct lacks competitive justification. We have succeeded. We have succeeded because customers like us, because customers wanted to buy our product and to change that product is not fundamentally helping the consumer. To be sure, as Epic notes, Apple might have structured its business differently. There's no mandate that we structured it in the way that we did. Apple adopted a business model of charging iPhone users for device sales and charging developers a modest annual fee plus a commission for digital purposes. Maybe we could have done a higher upfront price for developer tools. Maybe we could have done different market support, but we didn't. And notably, if the court were to enjoin one piece of the current model, the 30% commission, Apple would have to rework the entire system, would have to rethink through their business model, how they make profits, what they invest in the phone with disruptive, definitely, extensive, expensive, and likely adverse. We, we can't know whether it's adverse. Consequences for other developers and consumers. 
court, you should be very cautious about doing anything here because this is a business model that works. This is a business model that people have invested in. And Epic hasn't been able to say what would happen if things were to change like this. And they have to establish that we are harming consumers with what we are putting out there right now. It is clear that Epic doesn't want to pay commissions to Apple, even though it agreed to do so. But nothing in antitrust law requires Apple to provide the benefits it offers to developers under terms and conditions favorable to Epic. Just because we charge 30% and you would love for it to be 20% doesn't mean that we have to do it. Just because you walk into the GameStop and want to buy that PlayStation 5 for $200 instead of $500 doesn't mean that GameStop has to sell it to you. That is a kind of restraint of trade. But the Sherman Act was never designed to cover those instances. It was designed to protect competition and ultimately consumer welfare. There is nothing anti-competitive about charging others to use one service as Epic itself does. Other app stores for computing platforms also charge similar commissions at a similar rate. This is strong evidence that Apple's business judgment here is a rational, pro-competitive, and sound one, even setting aside that having 70% of revenue going to developers represents a dramatic improvement over the revenues developers earned from software distribution before the App Store. Now that one might come back around depending on how the documents go. Apple's going to try to establish that 70-30, which Apple didn't start and which is an important piece of the puzzle, but that 70-30 was better for developers than what existed before Apple. And so just because they're popular now doesn't mean that that number comes down because Epic just wants it to. Or as they finish off this section, Epic has no prospect of succeeding on the merits of its claims. Now for some more rhetoric. Epic will not suffer irreparable harm because its claimed harm is entirely self-inflicted. Epic is a saboteur, not a martyr. Indeed, Epic does not even try to explain why it had to breach its contracts to bring this case, let alone why it had to so fundamentally breach Apple's trust by introducing its hotfix. And Epic could have avoided any further harm involving both Fortnite and Unreal Engine with a simple keystroke. Every bit of harm Epic asks this court to address is entirely self-inflicted. Second, a preliminary injunction is an extraordinary step that a court takes only when it is necessary to avoid harm. And as this court also held, harm that results from the express terms of a contract cannot be irreparable. They did this to themselves. They poured gasoline on that fire and now they are act asking for the special power of the court to protect them from what they did. While Epic labels Apple's response retaliatory, it is not retaliation for one party to a contract to implement the consequences to which both parties agreed in the event of a breach. That is true not just of Epic Games, but also of its wholly owned subsidiary, Epic International, which is led by the same person who declared war on Apple and which is receiving illicit payments through the Fortnite hotfix. Save that for later, Judge. We're coming after Unreal. As explained above, Apple's practice of removing affiliated developer accounts is well established. And as demonstrated below, an app developer can inflict incalculable harm on Apple's entire ecosystem. Epic's brazen insertion of the hotfix into Fortnite raises the very real possibility that it will attempt to use Unreal Engine to distribute other secret and unauthorized code. When an app developer proves to be untrustworthy, Apple has to have the power to protect itself and its customers from further harm. So like Epic is trying to use customers and Unreal Engine to suggest to the judge that Apple shouldn't be allowed to act against it, 
Apple will now bring those customers and in general, the innocent bystanders, the people that own Apple iPhones or iPads and say, look, they could do anything. Judge, they've already shown that they're willing to put in a piece of code at two in the morning to change the functionality of their app. And now you are asking us with a billion units out there running software to say, well, I guess because this judge says so, we have to allow them to do whatever they want through this other account. That's a problem for Apple. Now, yeah, they're going to bring in customers. And yes, I think ultimately they want to do this because they want to inflict pain on Unreal. They want to inflict pain on Epic and they are within their rights to do it broadly under their contracts. But they're going to bring the case that says, look, they're untrustworthy. You have to be able to allow us to cover ourselves and protect our customers when somebody proves to be untrustworthy. In any event, at the preliminary injunction stage, it suffices that Epic created the harm that Epic agreed it would suffer those consequences based on its conduct, and that Epic can avoid any harm right now by changing course. Note again that last provision, right? This is why I think one of the things that might happen is that the judge says, yeah, you don't have to put Fortnite back up, but if they change it, you do have to bring them back into the developer program. That might be something that the judge winds up doing. Uh, they then actually go and answer the Acquire versus Canada Dry Bottling Company. I wanted to talk about this really briefly, not because it's necessarily important to this case. It's one of the things that I noted when I was reading through the Epic complaint. They were trying to establish that a preliminary injunction sometimes prohibits the, the party that is the defendant from doing certain things, even though it's otherwise self-inflicted, et cetera, et cetera. And they went back to say... Uh, okay, if you actually go read that case, judge, there are a bunch of other things that are confounding factors. And the only thing I really wanted to point out there was that this is the practice of law. Like there was an associate or even maybe a partner at this law firm that went and, okay, looked at that precedent, read it and say, oh, that's not what it says at all. We got to put a paragraph in to this response motion. That's how this all works. Uh, and I thought that was interesting. And I think that's probably, if this is an accurate depiction of what happened in that case, uh, probably justified. Epic probably reached a little bit to bring that into application of this particular case. Now we get a little bit more rhetoric. Finally, a word about Epic's claimed reputational harm. They're asking for an injunction, Judge, because they say, oh, my stars, Apple is breaking our company because everybody hates us now and we're receiving this hate mail and these death threats and these bad tweets. Epic has engaged in a full-scale pre-planned media blitz surrounding its decision to breach its agreement with Apple, creating ad campaigns around the effort that continue to this day. If Epic were truly concerned that it would suffer reputational injury from this dispute, it would not be engaging in these elaborate efforts to publicize it. From all appearances, including the hashtag free Fortnite campaign, Epic thinks its conduct here will engender goodwill, boost its reputation, and drive users to Fortnite, not the opposite. That is not harm. And in all honesty, a number of you asked me what, if any, effect the marketing campaign would have on the lawsuit. I said it would be brought up in these documents, definitely at the equity stage. It has nothing to do with the overall legal case, whether or not Apple is in violation of the Antitrust Act. But when you talk about unclean hands, whether or not you should be able to get the special powers of the court, a paragraph like this, I think, is very, very powerful to say, they ask you to note that we are harming their reputation and they are doing their level best to publicize the existence of this case everywhere anybody with a pen can have access to Tim Sweeney. And so, Judge, that's not harm. 
this is a marketing campaign. In contrast to Epic, Apple would face incalculable harm if this court issues a preliminary injunction. And Apple has no power to avoid it. We don't have the power to hit the switch, Judge. The rules are there to protect the entire ecosystem of iPhone customers and developers. Stripping Apple of its power to enforce those rules would also pose an imminent threat to Apple's customer data, including children's data. Judge, think of the children. To the safety and security of the App Store, and more broadly, to the integrity of the iPhone. Indeed, users who previously downloaded the hotfix version of Fortnite are already facing the prospect that Epic's alternative payment system may compromise their privacy or data security. The alternate payment system Epic snuck into Fortnite also lacks the parental controls that Apple's IAP offers to restrict online purchases. This kind of dovetails with that little bit of language that I believe I described as a sick burn in the Apple countersuit against Epic, where they said, Judge, look, maybe some developers we'd be okay with this kind of activity, but last time Epic had access to anything like Android, it had an illegal and malware-filled version of Fortnite immediately available. And, you know, in all honesty, we just don't trust them. If they're allowed to use direct payment, they're allowed to use whatever code they want. Customers' data is at risk. Children's data is at risk. Who knows about privacy? Who knows about security? They don't even have parental controls on that thing, Judge. The injuries resulting from an injunction compelling Apple to restore Fortnite to the App Store would go well beyond the loss of commissions and threaten the integrity of the iPhone ecosystem itself. Those injuries would be compounded if Apple were compelled to continue to provide Epic access to the Apple Developer Membership Program, which Epic uses to offer the Unreal Engine graphics engine to other developers. So we give you, Judge, what you want to hear, right? We won that temporary restraining order on the Fortnite question. We're likely to win it again. It's unlikely that the court is going to force us to put up an app to distribute it and to support it when it directly violates the contract terms we have set out for all of our developers. But we might not win the Unreal case. So we go through all of this. We establish that Epic's a bad actor. We got you nodding along. And then, and then we're going to hit you with the rest. Hey, not only does all that apply to Fortnite, it applies to Unreal. By participating in the program, Epic gains access to a full suite of developer tools, software, and other IP from Apple, as well as pre-release versions of iOS updates. Unreal Engine, in turn, provides developers a software development platform that allows developers to more quickly and easily build apps. Those shortcuts provide Epic with a possible Trojan horse to further harm Apple's customers, developers, and goodwill. I note here just from a semantic level that they sometimes capitalize and sometimes do not capitalize Trojan horse. Wonder if there's a secret there. Hint, there is not. Should this court require Apple to continue supporting Epic in its developer program, the court's order would give Epic access to the developer tools that it could use to insert malware or other unauthorized features, such as alternative direct payment mechanisms, probably not the worst thing if the judge is otherwise inclined to believe Epic, in the version of Unreal Engine for iOS devices, and thus the non-Epic apps that are available on the App Store and rely on Unreal Engine. And the harms are compounded by the fact that Epic is actively encouraging developers to follow its lead. Epic insists that other developers will not follow its lead because they will fear, quote-unquote, retaliation. But no one will fear Apple's response if this court grants the injunction Epic seeks and declares that all developers can flout Apple's rules with no consequence as long as they claim Apple's rules are anti-competitive. So there's some truth there. There's some falsehood there, right? 
if the court were to give Epic what it wants here, particularly with Unreal, but mostly with Fortnite, then I think Apple's got a point that there are at least a number of well-heeled, well-resourced developers that might say, okay, we'll bring that suit. We declare Apple anti-competitive and we get this special treatment for a couple of years while this court case goes through. Most of the developers don't have the money, don't have the resources, don't have the legal acumen to actually go against Apple on this kind of thing. So I don't think that you would just have a bunch of developers choose to move against Apple, except really, honestly, the biggest ones. As to the equities, the balance is not close. Epic, not Apple, willfully breached multiple contractual promises. Epic, not Apple, breached the trust and security that is a hallmark of the iPhone ecosystem. Epic, not Apple, continues to escalate this manufactured dispute, and that it is, with every means within its power, even after the TRO. Epic, not Apple, brought this fight. I, I, I have to believe that at some point in this draft, it, there was uh, Apple, but not Epic, will finish it. Epic, not Apple, can avoid all the harm now asserted. Judge, this is all on Epic. You can't give it an injunction on this stuff. And don't block us from cutting off Unreal. Remember, Judge, think of the children. They could insert malware. They could become a Russian proxy. I'm actually surprised there aren't any references to Tencent in this paragraph. But Apple held back. The injunction Epic seeks would severely damage the public interest. By compelling Apple to continue dealing with Epic, despite Epic's open breach of its agreement with Apple, an injunction would contravene the public's strong interest in holding private parties to their agreements. The public interest does not favor forcing parties to an agreement to conduct themselves in a manner directly contrary to the express terms of the agreement. Yet the injunction Epic seeks would compel Apple to continue to deal with a party that is violating the rules, thereby erasing that clear contractual right. That has always been the hill that we've identified here in virtual legality, right? That ultimately what Epic is asking for the court to do is to make Apple do things that it doesn't want to do. And yes, if you had an ironclad antitrust case, clearly they're bad actors. Here are all the emails. Here's how they raised prices two times. Here how they vertically integrated in a whole industry and they got into rooms and smoked cigars and price fixed. Then maybe you go, you get an injunction and you get this equitable relief at the outset. Instead, you bring a novel case and then you immediately file for a temporary restraining order and a preliminary injunction to mandate that a court force Apple to put up an app that it doesn't want to put up and to not take action against the other half of your company, even though Apple now finds you untrustworthy and doesn't want to be in business with you, at least not right now. Such an injunction would harm other app store developers, Epic's competitors, who continue to pay the contractual commissions and would thus essentially be forced to subsidize the tools that allow Epic to succeed. I like this argument too. Judge, if you force us to allow Fortnite with a direct payment up onto the store, they get all that money. Everybody else in the ecosystem is paying our cut to support the infrastructure. We'll be paying a cut to support the 900 requests for review that Epic puts forth when they need to do a Fortnite update, and they won't be paying us a dime. Instead, it will be every other developer, right down to mom and pop developers that will be paying for that. How does that help the public interest? I like that. It's a nice rhetorical flourish. And the consequences of the requested injunction holding Apple defenseless against further intrusions of secret and unauthorized code would be hugely damaging to the public, including a billion iPhone users whose data could be compromised. The same considerations, Judge apply with full force to Unreal Engine.
If Apple is compelled to continue supporting it, despite Epic's overt breach and announced intent to harm Apple on any front possible, people have asked, right, whether Tim Sweeney's rhetoric would get Epic into trouble. This wasn't a tweet. I believe this was actually in an email. But Tim Sweeney saying that he was going to launch an attack on all fronts against Apple allows Apple to make an argument like this, right? They want to say that Unreal Engine could be used to deploy Russian troops, And they can say it to some extent because Epic went out with an email that said, if you fight us on this, we will deploy every resource we have against you. And if one of those resources is the fact that we code Unreal Engine and you have to operate it on your systems, well, Apple can turn to a judge and say, judge, they threatened us. What do you want us to do? Epic could use Unreal Engine as a Trojan horse to enable developers to insert other unauthorized feature that compromise customer security and privacy into apps. For example, Unreal Engine could be used to steal from users or misappropriate financial information. Judge, Unreal could steal your bank account or link to an illegal currency site for payment. I don't know what an illegal currency site would be necessarily, but Apple wants to paint a picture and it's that Epic could turn the iPhone into the dark web through the use of Unreal Engine. Against this background, the only public interest considerations that Epic identifies are the generalized public interest in antitrust enforcement and the ire of those harmed third parties, Fortnite players, and Unreal Engine developers. The former point simply replicates Epic's merits arguments and fails for the same reasons. We've already talked about that. We won't talk about it again. As to the latter consideration, in ruling on the TRO, this court correctly recognized that as much as Fortnite players may want the game to return to the iPhone platform, their desires cannot outweigh the general public interest in requiring private parties to adhere to their contractual agreements or in resolving disputes through normal, albeit expedited, proceedings. Now, with respect to Unreal Engine, which is used by a minuscule fraction of iPhone apps, just one last twist or two right here at the end, the court expressed concern about potential harm to both third-party developers and gamers. But with regard to all these groups, the power to avoid this adverse impact lies entirely in Epic's hands. The only reason third-party Fortnite players and Unreal Engine developers are threatened by this commercial dispute between Epic and Apple is because Epic is sacrificing them to advance its own commercial interests. I think that's true, but that is... Very powerful rhetoric here at the end. And Epic's defiance of Apple's policies has put Apple to the choice of acceding to Epic's demands or safeguarding the data and privacy of a billion customers who rely on the iPhone ecosystem. Apple's decision to put its customers first should not be counted as a point favoring Epic in the equitable calculus. The public interest does not support rewarding Epic's strategy of intentionally harming third parties to gain a pecuniary advantage to the detriment of others who follow the rules. And that was Apple's response to Epic's request for a preliminary injunction. This is the document along with the Epic Makes a Strong Case document, which you can check out in that video that the court will be adjudicating on after the hearing on the 28th, which may or may not get delayed. I don't know. A lot of these times these things get delayed, but we will see. And on that hearing, we will find out exactly what Epic's allowed to do, exactly what Apple's allowed to do. A lot of you have asked me if they are limited to saying yes or no on Epic's requests. 
Uh, no, they are not. A preliminary injunction is an equitable power and an equitable power of the court is that kind of power that the court can assert in the interest of justice. They will take into account this document. They will take into account any kind of briefs or declarations that Epic or Apple collects. Maybe you'll see Phil Spencer bringing another declaration in favor of not allowing Apple to cut off on Real Engine. We'll see how that goes. I do think Apple did a few things that were maybe missteps. Maybe they didn't have strong enough arguments when they looked at this internally. I can't say. I'm not on their legal team. I would have liked to have seen them really try to answer the argument that the court quasi-raised that the Epic International entity was signed up to a completely different set of documents. I would have liked to have seen that answered and talked about. I would like to see them harp a little bit more on the termination for convenience rights, really itemize the various entities and how they have the right to terminate them. I think this was a strong document. I think they have the better part of the argument. I think they are very unlikely to be forced to have Fortnite up on their store. I think the Unreal Engine question is about 50-50. It's it's a flip a coin type question. But I think most importantly, based on the fact that it is a flip a coin type question, I do think developers and folks that are reliant on Unreal Engine and are following this, they should be worried. This is the kind of thing that could come up tails if you are an Unreal Engine developer. And if Apple is allowed to cut off Epic entirely until this thing ends, maybe that brings a swift end to it if Epic is acting rationally and or the board helps determine what direction Epic goes in. If they aren't, if they go fully to the mattresses on this and this is just going to be a long run quest for Epic, then they're not going to be able to sell Fortnite on iOS. They're not going to be able to use Unreal Engine on iOS. The developers on other platforms are going to have to consider how Epic has behaved here when they are deciding on what engines to use in the future, and that could have long-term negative effects on Epic. So stay tuned. Stay tuned to this space. This is what we do here in virtual legality. We only do Epic versus Apple videos. I'm just joking. It just seems that way sometimes. We also cover the business and law of pop culture, video games, music, movies, television, all the things that you like to read news about with a legal spin. So if you like this, please like, subscribe, share, tell folks that we are here. We're opening up a store pretty soon that's going to be pretty minor at the start with just logos and things, but we're going to build that up. So if you have ideas for that store, please leave them either in the description of this video or on the community tab. We're collecting ideas for cool shirts and bags and hats and things like that. Otherwise, if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. I very much appreciate it. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.